0: Welcome to another episode of Drone World podcast by Copters. I'm your host, Chelsea, and today I'm joined by Harry.
1: Hi, everyone. I'm Harry. I'm the head of training at Copters.
0: So, today we're going to be talking about all things drone training. So, Harry, do you want to start us off by introducing yourself and your team?
1: Yeah. So, as I've just said, I'm Harry. I'm the head of training at Copters. I've worked at Copters for approximately two years now but I've been in the drone industry quite a bit longer than that so I've worked for various companies really doing loads of different jobs really so a lot of it's been consultancy work but I've also been in a couple of sales roles as well actually selling the equipment so yeah I've worked across many different industries within the drone industry and got a fair bit of experience. We've also got quite a big team at Copters now we've got Tom who's one of our new instructors who's just joined the team he's currently being trained up to deliver all the courses Also deliver training on a lot of the equipment and the specific type courses as well. So actually training people how to fly the drones. Oh, wow. So that should be fairly interesting. And then we've got Naomi and Mel, who are our training coordinators. So they help to coordinate everything, look after our customers, make sure everyone's having a great time when they're going through their training and obviously getting themselves booked in as well. So basically helping to keep everything nice and smooth in the office which is brilliant and then we've got a team of expert instructors and assessors as well and that'll include Johnny, Adam, James and Josh who cover a lot of our flight assessments but they also do a little bit of the face-to-face training as well so plenty of knowledge and plenty of experience there.
0: Yeah so those are people that if you've done drone training with us or you're going to do drone training with us you'll meet them at some stage along your journey basically do you want to give us a brief overview of drone regulations? Maybe some of the things that people are confused on the most, like questions that you get all the time, the differences between A2, C of C, GVC, that kind of yeah, kind yeah of absolutely. stuff.
1: Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's one of those ways. It's quite difficult to give a basic overview because there's been a lot of changes and it is yeah. a massive, massive subject. The course that we deliver, so for the GVC, if we were to do it in a face-to-face environment, takes two to three days to kind of run through it all and if you're just doing the A2 C of C if we're doing that face-to-face it would be like a one-day course so there's obviously loads and loads of information.
0: That's something been... that we're starting up again very soon isn't it? The yeah it is courses. which
1: is really exciting actually because um, obviously due to Covid we've been pretty much locked down and just been behind our computer screen delivering <laughs> training and everyone's been doing the online course which has been really effective and I think A lot of our students have really enjoyed doing that, but it'll be brilliant to be back in front of people delivering the course again. But yeah, in terms of kind of a brief overview, I guess the biggest change is just the fact that now when you're operating an aircraft, what used to happen was you'd basically ask yourself if you were a hobbyist or if you were going to be charging for your work, so if you're actually doing it commercially. And that would be the main difference between whether you actually need to go through any sort of training or whether you can just operate after reading the user manual, and then completing the Damares, which is the registration scheme in the UK. Right. Um, so if you weren't a commercial pilot, it was fairly straightforward. If you were a commercial pilot, you'd have to go through what was called the PFCO, so the Commission for Commercial Operations, and obviously do some training and flight assessment alongside that. So it was a little bit more straightforward than how it is now, or it's looked at in terms of how risky the operation is. So now it basically depends on what aircraft you're flying, and where you're planning to fly the aircraft, and those are kind of the two main features. So it's looked at basically on how risky it is rather than whether you're commercial or not, which makes things a little bit more complex.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah, that kind of puts it back on the person, I suppose, to ask, what what are you doing? What are you doing with that (laughs) drone?
1: (laughs) Exactly, yeah, which is, I guess, a much safer way of operating. But it can make it a little bit trickier to get your head around. So, yeah, now people look at what aircraft they're flying, where they want to be, flying that aircraft, and then they essentially look at the risk that's posed on themselves, other people, the aircraft, other air users, and then they kind of figure out which category they would fit into. So we've got three categories now, which are the open category, the specific category, and the certified category. The open category is very low risk, so people can operate with very minimal training, but there is... Also, three subcategories within that, which makes it even more complicated. (laughs) Yeah,
0: this is where my mind starts
1: to go, oh, God. So we've got three subcategories within that, and depending on which subcategory you're operating in, it depends on how much training you'd need and how much you need to prove your competency, essentially. So that's where the A2 CFC would fit in, to operate in the open category, and that would be the A2 category. The category up from that would be the specific category. So that's the one that's just very similar to the old PFCO. Yeah. The training is very similar. There are obviously new changes that are in line with the new legislation, which has been brought through from EASA, and that would basically consist of doing your theory course, doing a theory assessment, and then doing a flight assessment. So if you have sat your PFCO, it's a very familiar process to that. A lot of the information within it is very similar with regards to the aircraft knowledge side of things and human factors and bits of information around that. There obviously are some changes in the legislation side, which are more around the safety and risk aspect than the actual air law itself. Right. And then the category up from that is the certified category, which is more for people who are planning to operate high-risk operations. So it's going to be things like drone delivery, carrying heavy objects or dangerous goods. Right. And also if they're wanting to operate with transporting people as well. So some really exciting stuff going on in that category. Transporting
0: Um, (laughs) people?
1: Yeah, so... um, Oh my gosh! (laughs) I guess it's something that Uber have been looking into. Oh, la, la, la. wow. Watch the
0: space.
1: <laughs> flying taxi. So, yeah. I <laughs> don't know if I'd, I'd
0: want to be in an unmanned flying
1: taxi. Well, yeah, maybe not if it's has been flown by me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> maybe in a few years.
1: <laughs> yeah. So in that category, there's a lot more training. It's going to be very similar to actual manned aviation in terms of the certification that you'd need. The pilot would have to be certified and also the aircraft would have to be quite heavily certified as well.
0: Yeah. A little bit more
1: complex. If you're going to be a person
0: Um, (laughs) in that taxi, you'd want it to be certified to a very high level.
1: (laughs) Well, it is very similar to getting in an aircraft Aircraft, isn't it?
0: (laughs) Wow. So if people are, are unsure what kind of certification they need or qualification they need to go into these categories, where can they go to find out which one they need?
1: There is loads of information on our website. So that's probably a good place to start. One of the things that I would also look at doing is going on to the CAA website and potentially just running through the Demares, which is the registration scheme in the UK. That'll give a lot of information around what you need to do in terms of operating safely. And it'll give a lot of guidance around what you need to do to operate in the UK with your drone. So that's probably a good place to start. Obviously, looking at the Copters website, also looking at the CAA website. If you just Google Damares, you should be able to find a lot of information. Even if you just Googled operating a drone in the UK, yeah. you should find loads of information there as well. Once you've done a bit of background research into that aspect, there's a lot of videos on YouTube. There's loads of different resources available to us, plenty of podcasts as well. You might even start off listening to this podcast in the earlier <laughs> episodes as well, if you haven't already. But yeah, once you've kind of done that kind of research, it might be worth you actually signing up to do the A2 CFC course. This it's a little bit more of kind of an entry level course. It'll allow you to operate in some really exciting areas if you've got an aircraft which you can operate in. So obviously it's quite dependent on the weight of the aircraft as well. Yeah. And it might be worth just running through that course to get a little bit more information on what you need to do to operate.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's not a very expensive course, is it? So it's probably quite a good place to start. Yeah. Really. Yeah.
1: It's very cost-effective and, like I say, you can get loads of information on that and you can then use that to then progress onto the GVC if it's something that you're really interested in doing as a career.
0: Yeah. Oh, awesome. I guess one thing, like, about your job, you're dealing with pilots and stuff all the time, seeing them face-to-face, answering questions. I want to know what some of the biggest misconceptions about drones that you hear from the public. What's something that's maybe someone said to you that's just kind of blowing your mind and you thought, no, 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 that's not what they're for or that's not what they do. What's what's something that comes to mind?
1: It's a very good question, actually. There are loads of misconceptions that people come to us with. I'm just trying to think of one off the top of my head now. (laughs) I think one of them is just the fact that a lot of people I speak to, they think that it's really difficult to actually find somewhere to fly, which I guess is, in some ways, it's right. There are the places that you can fly and places you can't, But a lot of people are really worried and really afraid that they're going to get in loads of trouble for basically taking off with the drone and just flying in like a normal area, which is the case in some cases, but obviously there are loads of areas that you can fly in the UK without needing any specific training essentially. Oh
0: wow, Um, I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, so a lot of people do say like, oh, I wouldn't dare buy a drone. I'm going to take off and instantly get arrested because i have doing something wrong. Which obviously I'm not recommending just buying a drone and taking off and flying straight away. Yeah, no,
0: come get your definitely, training with us first.
1: Definitely, do your research. <laughs> <laughs> but there are loads of areas that you can fly in the UK with a little bit of research, understanding of the rules. It'll open up a lot of areas that you can fly in. So I think that's one of the massive misconceptions is that if you buy a drone and take off with it, you're instantly going to be arrested. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I'm not condoning people just. Getting a drone and taking off the shelf, not doing any research and flying it. But if you do a bit of background research, you'll soon find out there are plenty of places that you can actually yeah. fly.
0: So it's easier than most people think. Yeah,
1: definitely. Oh, I guess cool. that's the point I was <laughs> <laughs>
0: trying
1: yeah. to get to. Yeah.
0: <laughs> definitely, it's a lot easier.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, well, that's good. Back to you then. What's your favourite thing about being a drone pilot trainer?
1: Ooh. Again, another good question there. we
0: <laughs> got all the good questions. We ask the important questions on world. <laughs> yeah. all the important questions.
1: There's just, there's so much that I love about being a pilot trainer. It's always something that I talk about with like my family and friends. are like, God, you're so lucky to have this amazing job. Yeah. And it really is. Like, There are so many amazing aspects to it. I think one of my favourite things is just getting to use the aircraft. I get to use loads of different aircraft, see them flying in different environments, kind of build up loads of knowledge on really exciting technology that a lot of people don't really get access to that's obviously really exciting another thing that I absolutely love is doing things like flight assessments or handovers where I'm meeting loads of new people the people absolutely make it for me in this job like meeting so many people in different areas as well so they've got loads of stories in my experience pretty much everyone that I've met doing flight assessments and these handovers and training has been super super friendly And you kind of build relationships with them where you speak to them afterwards, find out what they're doing with the aircraft. And it's one of those industries where every person you speak to has a different use for the aircraft, which is really incredible. So you're basically constantly learning, which again is another massive plus to the job.
0: Fun part of the job. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I could definitely agree with that. For like myself being in marketing, I'm obviously not in front of those people. But when you guys do hand over those contacts and you're like, you need to talk to this person Mm. because they're doing something mind-blowingly amazing it's incredible some people think of the most outrageous things to do with drones and it's like where did that idea come from what were you doing what problem did you have to think of that just yeah our drone pilots are so innovative
1: yeah we've had i mean in previous jobs i've worked as well i've had conversations about just crazy crazy uses that you wouldn't even think of go on give us an example so uh, (laughs) i mean a copter's the really exciting stuff obviously we get to do a lot of work with police military stuff like that yeah that's um, always really
0: interesting yeah
1: I think the best thing about that is you can actually see how it's impacting people's safety we do a lot of work like search and rescue as well and yeah. watching that technology being used in that area and how much time it's saving and how they can find people so much quicker and keep them out of harm's way obviously that's really exciting but we do get like I say some crazy uses as well I've had people contact me Online, well, they were asking me if I wanted to purchase a drone with a flamethrower attached to it. <laughs> a Flamethrower, yeah, you do <laughs> Which I was a can't. little bit. So I kind of read that and I was like, "Wow, very interesting. What's this designed to be used for?" Can't
0: fly that at Roundhay Park. <laughs> yeah,
1: definitely not. But I think the idea behind it was what they were saying is you can burn rubbish off electricity lines. So if something gets caught oh. into it, they fly the aircraft up and spray it with fire.
0: Wow okay <laughs> yeah, that kind of makes sense now that
1: you've given um, the context. Not but. 100% sure what? if that's legal in the UK. No.
0: <laughs> definitely some legislation um, to come for that one. <laughs> yeah
1: definitely and then I've had also it's like people wanting to transport medicine which is obviously really exciting. I've actually had someone contact me about transporting medical maggots once which
0: Musical Yeah, I wouldn't want any
1: of those kind of <laughs> falling out on the journey. <laughs> do not <you? laughs> just fall
0: out along the way. Found a little medical maggot in your backyard. Yeah. Oh,
1: gross. Yeah, I wouldn't fancy that. <laughs> no,
0: absolutely not. Uh, oh. It would be
1: a bit of a messy drone crash. Isn't it?
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, you yeah, haven't crashed. It didn't make it to its destination. Not that that would
1: happen. Yeah, I don't think that ever went ahead in the end. No, I'm not surprised. Yeah, we've had all sorts. <laughs> wow,
0: that sounds really interesting.
1: Yeah, and, and there's loads of conversations that we have as well, like, what people are planning to use them for in the future. Again, like the transporting medicine, doing mm. deliveries. I mean, there's loads of really exciting stuff in the industry on the horizon. So Yeah,
0: definitely. It'll be it's... interesting
1: to see where it all develops there. To... Yeah. Hopefully there's not too many maggots flying. <laughs>
0: <up>. <laughs> yeah, I'm not too keen on the maggots. The medicine, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing that that kind of technology is actually like coming to life in our lifetime. Yeah, exactly. It's so incredible. So on the flip side then, what's the worst thing about being a drone pilot trainer? What don't Ooh, you like?
1: That is a really good question.
0: <laughs> you've said that about I all mean, my questions. I'm yeah, taking it as a got, compliment.
1: You've got a lot of good questions.
0: <laughs> there must be something you don't like.
1: It is a difficult question though. Let me think. I mean, I don't know really. I love it. What, what can I say? The <laughs> Worst part about it? I guess, I don't know. I really, I'm really struggling <laughs> to think find of anything. something here.
0: Well, that's a positive, I (laughs) There you go. If you guys want to work as a drone trainer, it's
1: all great. Yeah, I mean, I guess when we don't get to fly, if the weather kind of... Say if we've got a full day of flight assessments booked in Mm -hmm. and it starts raining and obviously we have to start ringing people and telling them that we can't do the flight assessments. I guess kind of not letting people down because it's the weather, but when things don't always go to plan, obviously there are... Quite a few things that can go wrong when you're flying aircraft, in the UK especially, because we've probably got the worst weather. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But yeah, stuff like that, really. I guess when we're having to cancel flight assessments due to weather issues, I guess any time when I'm not actually out with customers or flying the aircraft, it would probably be the worst part. But saying that, I don't hate it. Oh, there you go. Oh, that's
0: really Really positive. There you go. Right, I've got some drone myth busting questions here. So I want like a true or false and then give your explanation kind of thing. So, my first one here is drones are a danger to other aircraft, true or false?
1: I mean, it's true mm-hmm. in the wrong hands. It's similar to I don't know, cars are dangerous to pedestrians in the wrong hands, but Right. I think in my honest opinion, yeah, it is true, but The way that they have kind of structured the new legislation, I think, has done a huge amount to change that. One thing that happened was obviously the issue around flying around airports, there was kind of huge issues around that, and it's been something Mm -hmm. that I think did have a big impact on the industry. But the new legislation that's been brought in, especially with the Damaris scheme, actually, where people are being educated on where they can fly, where they can't fly, and how to actually operate safely, Mm -hmm. but also registering their aircraft, it's not only giving them the knowledge that they need, so there's not as much ignorance around where people can't fly. Mm -hmm. But it's also that accountability factor as well. So when people know that they've obviously registered their aircraft and they've got their operator ID attached to it, if something goes wrong with that, they're accountable for it. So I think it is getting a lot safer. But to say that it wasn't a danger to other aircraft, I guess there's always going to be that risk. But yeah, I think it's definitely getting a lot safer, which is good.
0: So it's
1: like a true and false. Yeah,
0: I mean... In certain circumstances.
1: True and false, depends. Yeah. in depends. the wrong hands, definitely true. But I think yeah, it's getting a lot safer.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's good. Good that it's getting safer. We all yeah. love
1: that. <laughs> we wouldn't want it in the opposite direction, would yeah, we? <laughs>
0: exactly. Right, next one. You don't need any qualifications to fly a drone. True or false?
1: That is actually true. But obviously Ooh. it depends which category you're flying in, which aircraft you're flying. There are loads of aircraft that you can fly now without any qualifications, Obviously, recommended to do as many qualifications as you can. The more you know, the less likely you're going to get yourself in trouble or get into an incident. But if you're flying kind of a light aircraft, aircraft under 250 grams are very easy to operate in different areas due to the low risk of those flights. But there are also areas that are kind of what we classify as the A3 category, -category, Mm subcategory, where you're at least 150 metres away from a congested area and you're far away from people, you're not overflying people. In those kind of areas, you can operate aircraft up to 25 kilograms without any qualifications as long as obviously there's nobody in the area and you're 150 meters away from congested areas so yeah very true that actually there are obviously areas that you do need qualifications to operate within and you can operate a drone without any qualifications
0: (laughs) oh there you go would it be hard to find an area that's like 150 meters away from congested areas no people around
1: it can be a little bit tricky What? A lot of people tend to do is contact someone in their local area who owns a lot of land, um, like a farmer or something like that where there's a lot of space, they're away from a congested area and they've got, obviously, the permission to take off there without trespassing. Yeah, a lot of the time you'll find a nice, generous farmer who actually uses...
0: Right, so it can be done.
1: Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) But there are loads of places that you can do it as well if you went into somewhere that, that wasn't being used for recreation... Yeah. There are definitely places to find it. One good resource that you can use is drone safety maps. It gives you the view of the airspace, so you can obviously make sure that you're flying in safe airspace. Mm-hmm. But there's also an OS map or an Ordnance Survey map overlay that you can put on that, which gives you all the information about ground hazards as well. So you can use that to find out where congested areas are and make sure that when you are taking off, you're far away from those, which is definitely something that I'd recommend to anyone even if they're not wanting to do any qualifications is using that dronesafetymaps.com really easy tool to use and obviously it can make you a lot safer when you're flying
0: yeah yeah that's a great resource thank you for that one i'm sure our listeners will love having that resource under the belt as well Next one. Drones are only used to take photos. True
1: or false? Oh, that is a big false. Definitely false.
0: Yeah, false. (laughs) Right, explain.
1: So there are, I mean, we've discussed it already, so many different uses for drones. Obviously, taking photos is one of the great things about them. You can get some brilliant photographs with different perspectives. And we see, like, a lot of our students will take incredible pictures that they send in to us and we quite often post them on our instagram as well so it's a really good use for them but yeah there are so many uses outside that as well i mean videos for one you can take lovely videos with them
0: (laughs) slightly different comes in
1: the same category but yeah i mean we spoke about all the other things we're using them for public safety obviously with the police military fire service using them we've got surfing uh surf search and rescue I mean, um, I suppose
0: you could use it for surfing somehow. Actually, well, yeah. you can use drones. There was one use case where someone was using them to like spot sharks and things to keep yeah, surfers
1: safe. That's actually United really UK. common in Australia. Obviously not in the UK. No,
0: not so much.
1: <laughs> yeah, not, not as many sharks there. But yeah, something that's really common in Australia and a lot of places where they have sharks in the water to keep swimmers, surfers, anyone out in the water safe. They have quite complex systems in place where they'll have a drone pilot who sound an alarm and let people know that they need to come in or stay safe. Yeah. But yeah, I mean loads of uses. What else is there? I mean where do I start?
0: (laughs) (laughs) You could go for days talking about the different things. We've obviously got
1: surveying people are using it for photogrammetry and building some absolutely incredible 3D models. If you speak to James Pick, who's our surveying expert He's made some absolutely incredible models using PIX4D, DJI Terra, loads of different softwares. If that's something you're interested in, definitely worth getting in contact with him and looking at some of those because the detail in them is just incredible. You've got inspection as well. So not just making the actual models and doing the surveys, but just sending an aircraft into an environment where you couldn't send a person in safely. So it's something that we use the Elios a lot for, sending them into confined spaces, mines, um, any Area that we just wouldn't be able to send a person into. You can obviously do inspections, make sure that nothing's damaged, everything's safe. And if there is um, a need to send someone in, you can scout out that area beforehand.
0: Yeah, that's one thing I think a lot of people don't think of. Like when we turn our taps on, Something as simple as that, like that water's got to come from a pipe. And if that pipe's broken, someone needs to maintain it. Someone needs to go down there and check what's going on. So if you can send a drone down to that confined space rather than a person, then that's obviously better. And going back to those 3D modeling maps as well, I've seen some of those. We've got a couple on our website and Mm. they are so detailed. It looks like you're there
1: was yeah, one I that mean, Jim
0: did of like a it was a church or something or yeah. a building with historical England and you could see the cracks in the bricks. Yeah, I know. It was it's amazing. It's
1: incredible. Like I couldn't believe the detail that you can actually get out from literally just sending a drone in the air for twenty minutes to yeah. an hour, just collecting this incredible. data and then you've got this thing that basically looks real. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. It's so amazing.
1: Yeah, I mean there are loads of uses now. Every day I feel like I speak to someone and they've got kind of a new <laughs> They've got a new idea use for it from finding lost sheep for farmers <laughs> and using it to look at crops to see whether they need more water, less water. We've obviously got multi-spectral cameras now which can actually look at the health of plants and identify different species of trees flying over for forest. Like, just wow. crazy uses, stuff that you can't even imagine. <laughs> oh, my God,
0: that blows my mind. So there you go. Drones are only used to take photos, false, absolutely <laughs> False. Right, next one then. Drones are just a fad and they'll disappear in a few years.
1: I think we have got another false there.
0: <laughs> false. <laughs> Which
1: is a good thing for copters. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, it was one of those things that a lot of people used to say, especially, I mean, I got really interested into drones quite a few years ago and there were a lot of people who kind of turned around to me and were like, are you sure you want to focus on that? Like. hmm they're just a toy and people are going to lose interest and all this but i've had this view of what they were going to be like in the future and what they could be used for like i used to love looking at like the dji and parrot website and just seeing how they were being used in the commercial space and yeah a lot of people just thought it was going to be a fad and it was going to die off but from what i can see like the ways that they're being used now and the companies that are actually integrating it into their day-to-day work making their jobs easier faster more efficient safer I don't see how this technology could disappear yeah it's something that so many teams that we work with are now reliant on so yeah it's definitely not a fad
0: <laughs> so drones are here to stay absolutely yeah Yay. yeah that's like you said that's great for us <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: we'll all be out of a job <laughs>
0: <laughs> great don't say that right well that's all I had planned for you today so anything else you'd like to add
1: I don't think so I think if you're interested in getting into Operating drones is even as a hobby, but especially for commercial uses. Make sure you obviously operate safely. You do your Damares, make sure that you've got your operator and flyer ID. Do as much research as you can before taking off. Make sure you're using things like drone safety maps, checking the airspace. And I think the most important thing is just keeping people safe, really, making sure that you're not being irresponsible when you're flying, because it's such an amazing industry. And if you're not being responsible, it can kind of cast a shadow on everybody Yeah, it looks bad for everybody else, uh, doesn't yeah.
0: it? But yeah, oh, get out so there, tips. find
1: a safe place to fly. It's probably one of the most exciting industries that you can get into. So yeah, best of luck.
0: Nice. Oh, those are some really great tips to end the podcast on then. So thanks for joining me today, Harry. It's been great to talk to you. It's been brilliant being on it. Absolutely. So if you've enjoyed this episode of Drone World, the podcast by Copters, make sure you rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. And search Copters on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn to catch up with everything that we're up to and to see when our next episode is live. Thanks, guys.